Most brands don't care about your numbers. It's true, and I'm not the only one who thinks so. Justin Moore knows a thing or two about brand deals. He's done 500 himself and over 1,000 through his agency. Today, he teaches creators how to get paid brand deals through his cohort-based course, Brand Deal Wizard. And in today's episode, we cover a lot, but it's just the tip of the iceberg. Think about these things as you listen. How to articulate why brands should pay you and why it's not just about your numbers. How much power brands gain by aligning themselves with key voices like yours. And instead of predefining offers, get on a call with them and see what their wins are. So those are the things we're going to talk about. But to be honest, the best piece of advice Justin gives, and I didn't do this on purpose, it's in the members only episode. He talks about a mistake that I made with a recent brand deal and how I should fix it. So if you want to get the ad-free extended version of this, you can head over to joincreatorcrew.com. It's just five bucks a month. It's really less than five bucks a month because it's 50 bucks a year to get the best piece of advice from Justin. For all of the show notes, including how to join Justin's cohort-based course, which as this episode comes out, the doors are opening. If not now, then very soon. You can head over to howibuilt.it slash 287. Thanks to this week's sponsors, Nexus and LearnDash. Now, let's get on to the intro and then the interview. Hey, everybody, and welcome to How I Built It, the podcast where you get free coaching calls from successful creators. Each week, you get actionable advice on how you can build a better content business to increase revenue and establish yourself as an authority. I'm your host, Joe Casabona. Now let's get to it. Justin, thanks so much for coming on the show. Of course, man. I'm, I'm really stoked to be here. And uh, I, I think we're going to have a great conversation today because I, uh, I, could, I, do, I never get tired talking about sponsorship. So I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. And you, like, you, you always bring such great energy. Um, I feel like I look at, I like watch your YouTube videos and you're always like up here. I have a lot of energy, but my YouTube style is very like, like dad giving you a lecture, mm. uh, which I'm told is not great for the algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> there, you know what? There may be another algorithm change that favors dad giving you advice content. So, yeah. you, you know, that the, you know, if you look at the stars, it might be, might be in your favor later, but no, you know, I don't know why that is. I think it's like, See, my style is less dad giving you advice and more like, I feel like I'm a little more threatening than that. I'm like, <laughs> I got, I'm kind of like, someone told me like the other day that it's like they think of me as like their tough love mentor mm. because I'm very much, I think part of it is that um, I, I, I see so much opportunity when I, when I interact with creators and I'm helping them work through complex negotiations or, or something like that, uh, or, or maybe it's mindset related blocks or obstacles that they're trying to get past. Right. Um, is I just feel so, I feel for people because it's like, I, I see these, these, this amazing art, this amazing creativity, this, these amazing creations that they're making on the internet. And I see so much potential and I'm just like, I want you to make a lot of money working <laughs> with brands so that you can keep doing this amazing thing. Right. And so a lot of my kind of tough love attitude comes from this, just like, if you can just get past 
some of these things. Systematize your processes, right? Like understand that you can you can have a strategy behind working with sponsors. It's not unpredictable, like a lot of people think it is, right? And so it's just like that's where it comes from. It's not like I'm like like mad at people. It's just more just like I want you to be like, listen to me, like do this, stop, stop. Like it's okay if the brand tells you no or doesn't or ghosts you. It's okay. It's gonna be fine. Right. So a lot of it comes from that, I think. Yeah. And I think people need that, right? Cause like I hear it too. I've, I've been fortunate enough to have my podcast sponsored from day one, like before, uh, before I launched somebody just just like, Hey, can you backlink me? And I'm like, I can mention you on my upcoming podcast for $99. And they're like, okay. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Dang that $1 discount, man. That would look for the, that was like the, the sale price. I love it. I know. Right. I like couldn't believe (laughs) they said yes. And then, and you know, from there, I just kind of, I, like the biggest lesson was like, you got to ask for it. Right. And I think okay. a lot of Joe, let's dig it. I'm going to, I'm going to turn the tables on you here. Okay. Great. Because <laughs> I love talking about this very first inflection point that a lot of creators have, which is I, I was doing a bunch of stuff for free before, and now someone has actually offered to compensate me. Walk me through your emotions in that moment. When someone agreed to pay you $99 to sponsor your podcast, what were you feeling? It was, it was like shock followed by an epiphany. Like, cause it, it was, it was glib, right? I get backlink requests all the time. And I was just like, I usually just say no or ignore it. And this time around, I was like, well, this actually fits with my audience. So I'm just gonna be like, whatever. It was like almost like a high school kid, like responding like, oh, for 99 bucks, I will. And like, I was like, yeah, okay. And I was like, okay. So like this $99 is worth the backlink for this guy. And then I thought like, who, like, who else, how many people are leaving money on the table because they're like afraid to ask for it. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I told another friend about this. She came on my podcast and she was talking about this brand and she was like, you should reach out to them and just see if they want to sponsor this episode. And I was like, okay. And from there I like wrote scripts. I just, I, so it was like very much like, I can't believe they said yes how many other people are going to say yes? Especially like the $99 price point for like a forever link. How many people are going to say yes to that? Right, right. I think it's this moment uh, where you go from, you know, either getting a bunch of people asking stuff, backlinks, right? Whatever it is, or maybe they're, you know, offering you free stuff or access to software tools or like whatever. You just have to link me or put me in the show notes or whatever, right? Um, To go from that to like, understanding how you can articulate to a brand why they should compensate you, right? In a more formalized capacity. Um, That gulf, I think, feels very large for a lot of people. It's like this chasm that it's just like, I I just don't, especially if you've you've done stuff for free for brands in the past, right? right? You feel like you've set this precedent where it's like, how do I go back to them and say, hey, I know I like you've been giving me free access or whatever, free stuff for like two years, but now you got to pay me, right? (laughs) And so it's just like, how do you, how do you have that dialogue? So, so I love talking about this particular point because I feel like there's so many people who have never really considered like, wow, like I actually have a very valuable asset on my hands that, you know, in, in reality, a lot of brands and companies might want to sponsor me, right. To talk about them, uh, or, or to access my audience. Right. So, um, I, I don't know. I just, I love like hearing your perspective on that because everyone's, uh, you know, feelings during that moment tend to be, uh, quite, quite impactful and, and poignant. Yeah. And I think it's, it's probably like, I mean, we're both based in the U S maybe I can't speak for other cultures, uh, but 
it's probably the way that we look at like work, right? Like we've been taught like, oh, people are going to pay me in exchange for goods and services. Mm. And so I came from a web development background and that's what my podcast was initially about. And so people paid me to make websites for them. The fact that people might want to pay me for something I was already going to do was very like the same realization I had in high school when somebody paid me for my first website. They're like, you're, I was like, you're going to pay me for something that I just kind of do on the weekends. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. I'm not going to turn down money. And, and cr- I think creating content is like very <laughs> much that same thing. So maybe, maybe more people haven't been paid for their hobby like I was in high school. But uh, that the switch, like the switch in my mind happened pretty quickly. Cause like you are offering a service, right? When you create content and you mention these brands, it's, you're not giving them like goods or services, but you're letting them leverage like this trust that you've developed with your audience, right? Well, we're getting into it real deep quickly because like I, this is the other major inflection point that I think, you know, okay, so let's say you've gone past that point. Let's say you've, you know, you've shifted from like convincing brands to actually pay you now, not just like free stuff. Um, and then creators in, in that space still very much feel that the amount that they can charge a sponsor is directly correlated to the number of deliverables that they can yeah. provide to the brand, right? So for podcasters, it's like, okay, I am going to offer you a certain number of host read ads or mid-roll ads or what, you know, links in the, in the show notes or whatever. Like, and so the only way in which I can increase my prices is if I offer you more of those things, right? Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> that is a very hard trap uh, for a lot of, you know, podcasters to, to get out of in terms of realizing like there are lots of other things that you can provide to brands that have absolutely nothing to do with how many times you're going to talk about them on your podcast, right? Um, the best example I can give is that there's a tremendous amount of, of power for key brands to be aligned with influential voices in their industry. Right. And so for them to be able to say on their website or for them to be able to say on their social media channels that like we have a partnership with Joe, that is oftentimes priceless. I'm not let go back to the MasterCard commercial, right? It's yeah. like, that's it's priceless. Right. And so um, I think as creators, a lot of times we don't really quite understand that component and it's very difficult to price that too. So it's like, how, how is the brand actually going to uh, measure success of this partnership if, if it's not related to like how many deliverables I'm giving them. And so this is a lot of the stuff I love talking about because um, th- these are the major unlocks that you can have as a creator where you can really start charging a lot more money. Yeah. And it's it's almost it's almost like I had this experience recently where like I put together a proposal and I put together a bunch of like deliver and at this price you get this. And, and they were like, well, let, we're just going to get our budget approved. And so they took the proposal, they got some budget approved, and they were just like, this number that you that you gave us mostly aligns with the budget that we've gotten approved. Like, they already have a number in mind that they can spend on you or on influencers in general. And so you don't know that number, but like, I guess my point is like, it, like you said, it's really hard to figure out like what that's worth to the brand, probably without having some conversations, right? And you probably can provide a lot of insight on this. <clears throat> well... One of the, sorry, I got like a frog in my throat. You're just, uh, well, I was I just, we're just getting choked up here talking about brands <laughs> giving us money. I actually have a tear in my eye at the, <laughs> at the same time. Um, so this is one of the, the most important 
pieces of advice that I can give uh, creators, aspiring uh, podcasters, influencers, and so on is your top priority should be to get these brands or get this agency that is representing the brand on a call, on a Zoom, right? Um, Because your goal should be, number one, establishing some baseline rapport, okay? Because the likelihood that they're actually just reaching out to you is very low, okay? So once you have this assumption that, okay, they're probably reaching out to 10, 20, 50 other people, potentially, if it's a larger campaign, to just kind of test the waters and figure out, okay, like, let's see, you know, let's get some baseline pricing from people. Let's see, like, who's interested. Uh, let's see, you know, who's available, right? Like, for the timeline that we're looking yeah. for, right? So, a lot of times, it's just a lot of tire kicking, right? And so, uh, most creators do not offer to get on a call at this stage, right? Because they're just like, okay, how much are you going to pay me? <laughs> right. That's, yeah. that's the vast majority. It's like very transactional. Right. But if you're the creator who'd be like, I would love to hop on a zoom or hop on a call to learn a little bit more about your objectives for this campaign. And if you say that to a brand, what does that signal, Joe? That signals, well, this creator actually seems interested in the outcome of the partnership. Right. So you get on this call and you ask them very simple questions. You do a little bit of research, right? In advance of the call, you look at their blog. What are they posting? You look at, let's say, their Instagram where they're talking about their marketing campaign, you know, some new product launches, whatever. You look at their job boards, Joe, right? And you see, are they recruiting? Are they trying to find a social media coordinator, a marketing, you know, digital marketing person? Like, what, are, what kind of things are they trying to accomplish as a brand, right? There's so much, so, so many breadcrumbs that brands leave on social media that you can just like, like get on the ground and start licking up. Right. And, and so that's not in the age of COVID, that's not super sanitary. So I wouldn't recommend that, but, um, like there's so much information that you can glean from, from these things that brands are posting. And so when you get on these calls, you ask them very simple questions. Like number one, what is the goal of this campaign? Right. Very simple. Number two, uh, tell me about, you know, it seems like you, uh, were doing a big push for the holidays last year, this particular campaign. Cause I saw you were posting about it. Are you going to be doing that again this year? Right. A lot of creators think that brands reinvent the wheel every single year with their marketing campaigns. And that is absolutely false. They will literally take out the same playbook that they ran from last year. They'll just like kind of dust it off and they'll be like, okay, let's do this again. Right. Uh, Maybe with some slight modifications. Um, You can ask them, uh, you know, like, tell me about some campaigns that you've ran in the past with creators. Like, which ones went well? Which ones didn't go so well? Like, what did you learn from that? Right. Um, Tell me about the, the market right now, the industry. Like, are you facing? stiff competition? Like, are you, you know, are there other, you know, like products that you're going to be launching that you think are going to be able to gain market share from some of these other, right? So there's all these different questions that you can ask. And so you treat this initial call as a fact finding mission, right? Um, And so if they try and back you into a corner and they're like, okay, well, like how much do you charge for like, you know, a mid-roll, you know, blah, blah. No, you don't say anything. You don't, on this initial call, you don't say Jack. You say, thank you very much. This call was very, very helpful. I need to put, I need to think about it and put some thoughts together and I will get back to you, right? And so, and so this call, this initial call, they will, number one, you know, they will like you, right? Because you've established yeah. that that rapport. They now have a face to put to a name, not just an email address, like all these other creators that they're interacting with, right? And so when you do ultimately send your proposal, that will be probably two, three, five X the investment as everyone else, they're going to say, well, you know, it is more, but you know what? I just feel like the campaign is going to go better with Joe. And that's how these things happen. 
Yeah, I love that. I can't stress enough how important hopping on a call is. And like, maybe this is like, this is definitely problematic in the web development industry. Like the free, like there are people who say, I never get on it. Like I never get on a call. Why would I ever want to get on a call? Right. Um, you want to get on a call because you, you're forming a connection, right? You're not just an email now. Like, like you said, you are showing people that you give a crap, especially like for 10000 15000 $20,000, I wouldn't spend that on somebody who won't even spend a half hour on a call with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? You're, put, you're putting yourself in their shoes, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and maybe the, maybe part of it is right. People are thinking too small. Maybe they're like, yeah, for 99 bucks, I'm not hopping on a call. I mean, me neither, maybe, but hopping on a call could turn that 99 bucks into 999 bucks. A hundred percent. That is the, the exact point is like, okay, yeah, that's fine. If you want to sell your podcast. So this is, I, I get on, I have some friends who I, I kind of joke around with, but it's like, you know, they, they, they look at like, booking podcasts like sponsorships or newsletter sponsorships or whatever, very much like, okay, visit this link and just like book a slot. Right. That, that is the way in which they do it because in their mind, it's like, it's seamless, right? It's like, oh, one click, like all this stuff. I don't have to deal with it, all this stuff. And I, I say that, I say, that is totally fine. If that's what you want to do and you value that, you know, the amount of money that you're getting through those transactions, that is fine. But what if I told you <laughs> that by removing that page and saying, hey, let's hop on a call, right? That that could 10X your income from sponsorships. Just that simple act. And they say, there's no way. I, I said, oh, oh, really? Like, y- y- you don't think that by getting on a call and being able to design customized solutions for brands that they're going to pay you 10 times the amount of money because they are, right? And so I, I, anyone listening to this who is a creator or you're trying to, fig- you know, you're trying to figure out how to like, uh, you know, systematize working with sponsors, systematizing your sponsorship strategy does not mean putting up a landing page where people can book your sponsorships. That right. is not what I mean. Systematizing your sponsorship means that you have an internal set of systems where that you are able to track in a CRM, almost like a sales pipeline, right? Where you're able to track all of the conversations that you're having with people. And then, so once you actually execute those deals, you also have a system and a process beh- uh, behind how you actually uh, fulfill the deal. Right. And so there's, there's all of this types of stuff that, you know, I come from like a engineering like background. And so I very much come at it from like a systems perspective. Um, and so it's just like, I, 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 if there's anything that you take away from this portion of the conversation, it's just that, you know, yes, I get that the seamless aspect of like being able to book spots is, is, is attractive, but like, it could really, really have a profound financial impact on your business. If you, uh, think a little bit outside the box. Yeah, for sure. If you don't think of it as like a come on, because like that was like a big thing, like just a few years ago, right? The productized service is mm-hmm. so important and that's how you scale. And like for certain things, yeah, it's great. Like if you're always delivering the same exact thing at the same exact way. But I'll tell you, I have a sponsor on this podcast. Uh, I don't think it's this week looking at my my <laughs> my system. Um but I brought them back from the brink. Like they were telling me I have one of the highest CPMs and one of the lowest conversion rates for them. And I was like, let's fix that. I think probably like a two minute ad read is too long. I lose people. So let's shorten that. Let's do these things. And I will also give you a YouTube video where I show people how I use it. And they're like, yeah, the YouTube videos actually generally work for us. We did that. We reevaluated and they just re-upped again because they were Mm. like, the changes you made 
right? And I have my prices on, if you go to howibuilt.is slash sponsor, my prices are there. But there's no form, there's no order form. People have to fill out the form. Mm. And then I go, what makes this a win for you? What if I told you on top of just the episodes, I can give you Instagram posts or YouTube mm. video or whatever? So I didn't know I was inadvertently dragging you through the mud with my little diatribe around not no, having no, prices you, uh, on your website. Is, <laughs> no, no, no. My prices are there, but yeah, like, yeah, people yeah. can't just buy spots, right? And I know gotcha. podcasters who do that, right? Like they have a, a Gumroad page or yeah, a yeah, WooCommerce yeah, exactly. page. And okay. it's just like, so Joe, take your, pr- yeah. take your prices off your page, bro. I'm, I'm giving you All some right. cold, hard advice here because um, how do you know whether they weren't going to pay you, willing to pay you 10, 10x that? Right, right. So, so again, going back to like, you know, you find the right brand, you find the right, you know, st- startup, you find the right company who is just like, wow, we need to hire Joe. He, you, we need to be associated with this guy and whatever it takes, we're going to make it happen. Right. So it's like, there is always 100% going to be, because basically what you're telling them, Joe, is that you say, here is a box of how you can work with me mm-hmm. and I'm going to shove you in it. You have no yeah. other option. For me, other than doing this, what I'm telling you, right? And so a lot of people think like, oh, you're having packages that like, that helps brands who don't know what they're doing. And yes, I'm not saying not do packages. I absolutely am saying packages are very helpful. But what I'm saying is that you, it's like a doctor. If you went in and you you started, he, he took out his prescription pad. And before you ever told him any of your symptoms, he hands you a prescription. And, and, and you're like, uh, well, okay, I never think I'm going to see this doctor again. Right. And so like, that is the, the analogy that I think is so important when it comes to working with brands is that until you hear they, them talk about what they are trying to accomplish, right? Because they have allocated a marketing budget to accomplish something. It's not to hire random people, random creators. Right. That's not what they're spending money on. They're spending on money on maybe brand awareness. They're spending money on conversions, right? Like you're saying, you know, trial signups to their software, whatever. They're, they're spending money to try to get content maybe from you that they can use as ads or put on their landing page on their website or whatever. There's, there's these objectives that brands have, right? And so until you find out what their objectives are, how can you possibly give them a compelling proposal that they will say, oh, okay, I get why I have to pay $15,000 for this. This episode is brought to you by LearnDash. Look, I've been making courses for a long time. I've taught at the college level and I've created curriculums for several different organizations, including Udemy, Sessions College, and LinkedIn Learning. When I create my own courses, there's no better option than LearnDash. LearnDash combines cutting-edge e-learning tools with WordPress. They're trusted to power learning programs for major universities, small to mid-sized companies, startups, and creators worldwide. What makes LearnDash so great is it was created by and is run by people who deeply understand online learning and adds features that are truly helpful for independent course creators. I love the user experience. And now you can import Vimeo and YouTube playlists and have a course created automatically in seconds. I trust LearnDash to run my courses and membership, and you should too. Learn more at howibuilt.it slash LearnDash. So I'm going to ask you about like pitch decks in a minute, Mm because this is something that I, I go through all of my coaching clients with. Yeah. But... Um, I, I'll, I'll say this, right? I mentioned like CPM before that stands for cost per milli for those who don't know. And it's basically like a set dollar amount per thousand views, downloads, listens, whatever. These prices 
are basically for like the Joe Rogans of the world, right? The stuff you should know is of the world where they're getting millions of downloads per episode. And so people just want to pay to be right like in front of their audience, right? For independent right. creators like us, uh, like those of you who are listening, there's an opportunity for us to add more value even if we don't have, right? I have 6,000 downloads in the first 30 days, something like that, right? Or 5,000 downloads. That's very high for a lot of podcasts. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that's still pretty low, right? But even if you have like 1,000 downloads in the first 30 days, you can still get this kind of money because it's not always about the number of, of ears mm-hmm. that are listening. Right. The other, the other really important thing I, th- I think we should talk about about this topic of metrics is that... Um, a lot of times as creators, the way in which we are measuring success for ourselves is our own content, right? We're, we're saying, okay, like, oh, this, you know, this episode, you know, had less downloads than this one, or this, you know, the trend line is going down or like, and so we're like constantly in this like bubble of analyzing our own performance based on what we think is success, or maybe it's relative to our peers, right? We're saying, oh, this person's getting this many views or downloads on their podcast or whatever, right? So it's very much this kind of comparison game or, or, or being really hard on ourselves, um, you know, kind of reflecting, right? Yeah. And I have done at this point, I have done over 500 sponsorships personally for my wife and I, um, and I've done over a thousand through my agency. Um, and so I've done a lot of sponsorships and I can tell you with a hundred percent certainty, I'm not saying 99.9%, Joe, I'm saying 100% certainty that many, many brands do not give a crap about the performance of the campaign, about the metrics, right? They, uh, it's not about that, right? It's about aligning with you. Yes, obviously, if it's a conversion-focused campaign, like signups and all that, so, you know, right. if, it's, if that's the goal of the campaign, of course they care about that. But there's so many other situations where they do not care. And so for you to, uh, just going back to that situation you were talking about, uh, it's so brilliant what you did, Joe, because you go back and you say, hey, Let's fix that. You're telling me, you know, I'm like amongst the most expensive with the least results. Let's figure out why that is. The vast majority of creators are not willing to do that because uh, let's say a, a sponsor comes to their podcast and they, you know, they run it once or however many times, and then they don't renew. And the creator thinks, oh, I suck. I guess I didn't perform well. But they literally never reached back off to the brand. They just assumed right. that the reason that that sponsor didn't re-up is because they perform, they didn't perform well. And so you need to have the hubris as a creator, as a professional, as a business owner, to be able to go back to them and know that regardless of what the brand tells you, whether the campaign went well or it didn't go so well, so well, you are going to learn something, right? You are going to learn, okay, well, if it did go well, I'm going to, you better believe I'm going to pitch, pitch you on our next sponsorship or our next partnership. And if it didn't go well, like, in your situation, you can say, oh, that's so interesting. Let's, let's, let's double click on that. Let's see why that is. Let's see if we can make some modifications to the next round or the next iteration of, of content. Um, and, and see, you know, if we can get some more data, let's get a larger sample size here. Right. So, um, there's, you literally will never lose if you have this approach of like, uh, you, if you're very low ego about it and it's just about learning. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and low ego is, is really important. Right. And, um, it all goes back to understanding the goals, right? You had a great newsletter. I, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago at this point that was like three reasons that a brand might approach you uh, for for a brand deal or for mm-hmm. a content sponsorship deal. 
And like, yeah, conversions is one of them, right? And if it's con- like, especially like YouTube, like you know how many views videos are getting. Like they, they'll know that. But if it's like brand awareness or just aligning with you, lots of people in the WordPress space hire me just to align with me because I'm an educator. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a well-known commodity in that space. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. like I made a video for a brand recently. Um, and I, you know, to be honest, I thought it was just okay. And they thought it was great. Like they were so <laughs> excited. And they're like, right. we're rolling out new features soon. You're at the top of our list. I got to follow up with them actually. Um, and and so like like you said, like I'm comparing, I'm comparing what I think is good or what I think is successful to probably like the best work I've ever done. Uh, knowing how much, how many hours I put into it and how much time I spent on it. Uh, and they are looking at, at it going, Joe uses one of our competitors for his product. He did this video and he just talked so highly about it. This campaign is a huge win for us. Mm-hmm. And for, you know, for independent creators, like I think that uh, we really uh, minimize uh, or discount the expertise that we have developed in our particular industry or niche or on the particular platform that that's primary for us. So a good example of this is you look at your, you know, your number of downloads on your podcast, or you look at your number of subscribers on your YouTube channel and you're just like, man, I only have 5,000. I suck. Right. Cause it's like relative to all these other people with thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers that you're measuring yourself. Right. But if you, for example, find a very, you know, hyper niche business, maybe it's a, maybe it's a business in your local community, Joe. Right. And you go to them and you'd be like, Hey, I like, I really love what your business is all about. You're a brick and mortar shop selling something. Right. Um, I would love to help you get more foot traffic into your location. I think I can help you do this. Here's my portfolio. You send them your platform and that small business says, wow, this person has 5,000 followers. Like that's amazing. Right. And so, um, like it's all about the frame of reference. Right. And, and, you know, not really um, you know, uh, penalizing yourself for, uh, you know, for things that the brands are not actually, uh, telling you. Right. And, and, and I think that that's like a, such an important, um, uh, you know, takeaway from, from this whole conversation. Yeah. That's, that's so important, right? Like, uh, I like, I like how you said it, like penalizing yourself for things that brands aren't telling you. Like it, this is like very like high in high school, I was always really up until I met my wife, basically, I was bad with uh, the opposite sex. Um, <laughs> and I just, most is this of the turning time, into like love line in my Dr. Drew right now? The, right? Yeah, this is like, I'm like, I'm really putting it all out there right now. Um, but like, I would always, I would always develop a crush on a girl and yeah. then I would never talk to her. And I'd be like, well, she doesn't, oh, she's talking to this other guy. That means she doesn't like me. Like maybe she just knows, like maybe he's, she's his neighbor or whatever. But, mm. um, I just made assumptions based on what they weren't telling me. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And not to equate a brand with like a romance or whatever, but it is a relationship that you Dude. have and you need to be communicative in relationships. You don't realize how uh, apropos that analogy is because uh, I also did a, 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 it was either a YouTube video or a newsletter a couple months ago about uh, this idea. It was a YouTube video uh, about um, getting jealous when other creators get partnerships. Right. Because, um, this oftentimes happens. Like it's, people get into this kind of scarcity mindset around like, oh, they see this other creator or podcaster or YouTuber or whatever partnering with this, their dream brand or something. And they think, 
like that other creator doesn't even use that product or does never, <laughs> I've never seen them talking about that brand. I, on the other hand, have been using it for three years. Like how come the brand didn't reach out to me? Right. It's like this internal dialogue that's like going on in your brain yeah. when you see things like this happening. And so um, I did a whole video talking about how that's just like, that could not be further from the truth. Number one, like you absolutely have to have an abundance mindset with this stuff because like there is, so, there's literally $15 billion that are going to be poured into this space, into the influencer space over like by the end of this year, 2022. Okay. So that's number one. So rising tides are going to float all boats. Trust me. Okay. But the second thing is like, think about it from the brand's perspective, right? If they just executed a successful partnership with one creator, what is the next thing that they're thinking? They're thinking, I want to find 20 other people just like this creator, right? <laughs> right? Because it's like, right. it was so successful. It drove signups. It drove awareness. It drove whatever, right? Going back to their objectives, right? They just want to duplicate what they just did. And so this is your opportunity to go reach out to that brand and be like, hey, I just saw you partnering with this other creator. Uh, you know, I would love to help you amplify the campaign as well. Uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. So it's like, um, there's just like all of these uh, psychological things, like you mentioned, a lot of mindset blocks related to uh, partnering with with uh, these types of of organizations that are just not necessary. Yeah, it's not a zero sum game, right? Like that's why yeah. I, I tell people the same thing about po- like, oh well, there's already a podcast like this. Uh, NPR launched a podcast called How I Built This. Yeah, <laughs> three months after I launched my podcast. Oh my god, are you serious? Yeah, no, um, dead. And, and, and yeah, and so people are like, what are you gonna do? Like our is there like brand confusion? And I was like, so what if there is, right? Mm-hmm. Like what if people are looking for that and then find mine? It's not mm-hmm. like I'm taking away from NPR or vice versa. Like people can listen to both. Yeah. And I did notice like a bump in the beginning, but oh. I never saw those downloads go down. Mm. So even if people were finding me, they were like, oh yeah, this is this is also good, right? Like, and they stuck around. So, so I mean, you're just, you're cool with the sloppy seconds is basically what you're saying. Totally. Like, you know, uh, you know. NPR, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You're like, I will take the the halo effect yeah, of the of the, the incorrect sure. searches. Like uh yeah. bring it, send it my way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As as an aside, Guy Raz just started another podcast called like The oh. Creator something. Oh, did he? And I changed my tagline, I kid you not, three months ago to like successful coaching calls with creators. I'm like, are oh you kidding God, me? Guy dude. Raz. I think Guy Raz is like is like your your secret uh, fanboy, and he's like you know, yeah. like, like stealing everything that you yeah, what's that this you do guy that, doing? that that I'm must do be it bigger. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna interview Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you're inter- interviewing Justin Moore, so I think you kind of exactly have a, right. Kind of have a leg I, up. You know I always I mean? position it as like Guy Raz is interviewing like the idea people, and I'm interviewing like the doers. Like these mm. are the people who are like doing the work. Yeah, you hear um, that, Guy Raz? Come at yeah. me. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. This is this has been uh, Joe's <laughs> therapy corner. Um, okay, so there's two more things I want to ask you about um, uh, before we wrap up here. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm going to ask about pitch decks next, and okay. then I want to ask about approaching sponsors because you okay. also have a a great newsletter where you just tell people, "Hey, these brands are looking for for uh, creators." Yes, sir. Um, but the pitch deck, I just did an episode of this on my other podcast called Make Money Podcasting about like the importance of having a pitch deck. Mm. Um, and I make the argument that like it shows it shows that you people that you have it together. You're not just like some fly by night like, hey, give me money. Right. Mm. You're like, I put together information that I thought would be helpful for you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Do you, I, I guess, first of all, am I completely off the mark, do you think? Um, or or is there some other opinion that you have about pitch decks? So, so clarify to me, uh, is, is the pitch deck your, is it a fully fledged proposal deck or is this a, uh, a boilerplate document that has just a bunch of background info on you and the ways in which people can work with you? It's that it's the second. So, right. It's got like, who am I? What my, what is my show about former, like the trust logos and the sponsors. Um, and then I usually update it every year, every six months to talk about like, here's going to be the focus of the show for the next 12 months. Gotcha. Okay. So I believe that um, having a, you know, a pitch kit or a media kit that oftentimes called um, can be very uh, helpful. However, you cannot use it as a crutch because I think this is what a lot of creators do is they will um, pitch a brand and they will say, would love to work with, you know, Hey, I love your brand. Would love to work with you. See my media kit attached. Let me know Mm -hmm. how you think we can collaborate, which is a Absolutely terrible pitch. Sorry yeah. for anyone who's done that. Don't worry because I used to do that too. <laughs> okay. So yeah. like, I'm not immune to that. Like, I get that. That's like a, a very common thing that a lot of creators do, but think about it from the brand's perspective that they receive a pitch like that. Number one, they have no idea who you are. No, actually, first of all, number one, their corporate email firewall is probably rejecting unknown senders with attachments. Mm, yeah. So that yeah. email might not even be getting through to that person. So do not be sending a PDF attachment on a very first email. That's number one. That's the very first thing, okay? Yeah. Um, the second thing is that if they receive an email from you, Joe, and they have no idea who you are, and they don't know your show, they don't listen to you, right? What are they going to do? They're going to delete the email or they're not going to respond. And it's not because they hate you, Joe. It's because it just has nothing to, they just don't know what to do with this email, right? right. And so the contrast to this is, something called, it's a framework that I teach in my course called the rope method. Okay. And R stands for your pitch has to be relevant to either a campaign that they are working on or a campaign that they have run in the past. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier about kind of doing research, like understanding what they're posting, what they posted last year. Right. So that's R. O is that you can tie your pitch back to a piece of organic content that you have posted to show that you're credible, to show that you're not just saying like, oh, I love your brand. I think it would be great, right? Where you're actually sending them a post and saying, hey, like my audience is actually craving information like this or is craving a product like yours here. Check it out, right? The P in the rope method is proof so that you can actually show them how you have helped other brands achieve results, okay? And E is easy to execute, when they say yes. So you, you, you can't just say, oh, like, I, like, I would love to collaborate. What do you think? Like, what are you doing in that situation? You are putting the ball in their court. You're saying, hey, right. you, you think up a way for us to work together. And, and, you know, again, put yourself in the shoes for the brand for a second. They are busy, right? If it's a marketing director, they're not just working with creators all day long. They're working, they're doing all sorts of other campaigns. They're dealing with all their different internal departments. It's like, they're busy. They don't have time to like think up a way to work together, right? It's you, the onus is on you to pitch them something, right? And so, contrast that type of pitch, right? You say, Hey, give, give me a, let's do this, Joe. Give me a, give me a brand that you want to pitch. Let's okay, do a real, I, a real rope pitch. I will give you a brand. I just pitched actually. And I know at least one okay. mistake I've made here, but okay. better help. Okay. Better help. I just pitched them. Give me your, give me a, uh, like a synopsis of what you pitched them or what you said okay. to them. I said, um, 
you know, hi, my name's Joe Casabona. I have this podcast. Um, I'm, I was wondering if you were going to continue sponsoring podcasts in 2023, right? So first, I know they're already sponsoring podcasts. Then I tell them about how much BetterHelp has helped me personally and how my podcast is about creators and I'm always worried about creator burnout and how I think BetterHelp can help business owners, creators going through burnout. Mm-hmm. What I didn't do was the organic part because I do talk about how BetterHelp helped me in one of my episodes. And I mm-hmm. should have found that and sent that to them. So it's not a terrible pitch, first of all. Like, I'm not going to I'm not gonna shred you, okay? Um, but... Uh, I'm very fragile. I, can't I, uh, <laughs> I could tell. <laughs> Definitely not. Okay, so, yeah. so uh, here's, here's what we're going to do, okay? So um, I just opened the uh, Instagram handle of BetterHelp. Okay. And I scrolled back. It took, this took me about literally 15 seconds. I scrolled back to what they were posting on Instagram last November. Okay. Because if you're pitching them now, right now it's like September, late September, yeah. right? Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, maybe it's early October, but um, November 3rd, I'm looking at a post right here. They posted something that says today is stress awareness day. Okay. And so Your pitch to them, Joe, is, hey, I saw that you were uh, promoting Stress Awareness Day last November. I was wondering if you're going to promote that again this year. Like uh, this particular subject resonates with me because of X, Y, Z, right? You just, just those things you just said, right? Uh, You know, this is affecting me. And in fact, this is something that I've actually already talked about. And my, my audience really resonates with as well. The the missing piece, I think, from your initial uh, pitch, Joe, was that, um, Yes, the brand cares that their brand resonates with you personally, but what they really care about is that this resonates with your audience because your audience are their prospective customers. Right. So that's act because you are the conduit to help them access your, your, your audience, right? And so it's much more important for you to draw the line between their product and your audience versus drawing the line between you and them, you and the brand, right? That's just a given. Right. If you're reaching out to right. them, of course you have affinity for their brand, right? right. Um, and so then you say, hey, I would love to do, you know, a podcast episode. I would love to do this. I would, you know, here's how I've helped, you know, this other brand XYZ achieve results. Are you free on Thursday at 10 to talk about this? Right. So, so look at how, di- so number one, look at how different of a pitch that is. Right. Right. Um, and so your subject line in that email is going to be like stress awareness day in 2022. Right. Not Perhaps. just generic podcast opportunity. Yeah. Right. right. You yeah. think they're gonna they're gonna open this email because they're gonna be like, oh yeah, we ran something about stress awareness day last year. Like right. that's uh yeah, let me open this. What is this? Right. Better yet, if it's like a campaign hashtag that they use often, like hashtag stress awareness, better help, BH or something, right? Yeah. Like of course they're gonna open that. Like, oh yeah, what's this about? Right. And and so and this pitch becomes them focused. Right. It's not about you. It's not about like, right. oh, I'm Joe. I have this podcast. I blah, 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 blah. The brand doesn't give a crap. Sorry. Like, yeah, I, I no, know this you're is, right. I'm coming you're back right. to the tough, tough love mentor here, right? Yeah. They don't care. They don't know who you are. They don't care about your web series. They don't care about your podcast. For the most part, like they're just in their own world trying to accomplish their business objectives. So the, the onus is on you to actually educate them about why you and your platforms are the solution to their problems, the solution to their objectives that they're trying to reach. Yeah. Which, again, the, any business, right? If you're building a product or a service, 
the customer doesn't care about you. They mm-hmm. care about the problem right? you can solve, right? And so mm-hmm. the, this is, I think, going back to what we talked about earlier, it's a, it's a hard mind shift. It's a hard shift to make, but it's really very similar to probably what you're already doing, right? Mm-hmm. If you're offering products and services to people, this is just a different product or service. Yep. Um, and so I knew, you know, I knew as I sent this email that I said I in it too many times. Mm. Um, but, and then I, I like the, are you free to meet, right? I just, I always end with like, I'm happy to send more information, right? So I don't like come out the gate with a pitch deck. I just, mm-hmm. if I'd, I'd, I'd be happy to send more information. Um, if you have any questions, please let me know. So well, now when so, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead, please. Uh, when I invariably follow up, uh, I will include something from Stress Awareness Day or something like that, right? Right, right. So so let's actually, real quickly, let's split hairs back on the, the original question around pitch decks or media kits yeah. and so on. Um, so again, I do believe it's very helpful. It can be very helpful to have a, a, you know, a media kit that you can use, basically have it kind of as an ace up your sleeve to use as a strategic point during the conversation with the brand. It's not right. that you're leading with it. It's like, okay, here, I'd love to work with you. Like, look at my deck. Let me know what you yeah. think. Like, let me know how you here's want to work, work together, right? right? Here's yeah, here, here is more work. You. Yes, yeah. here is more work for you, right? Yeah. It's, um, and so the di- the difference that I would um, make here is that, uh, and this is something I teach my course, Brand Deal Wizard, um, is that you also, in addition to your media kit, you also need to have a proposal deck, which is very different than your media kit. It is not, it, your proposal deck does not have really any information about you because it's not about you, right? It's about how you can help the brand achieve results, right? right? And so it's a very different set of slides. It's a very different set of things that you talk about in your proposal deck. And so this is the kind of one-two punch that I think is very, very important as a creator uh, to be able to have um, because, and and by the way, this is a very common uh, thing that creators do is that they have pricing in their media kits. And so if you're listening to this and you either have your pricing on your website or you have your pricing in your media kit, remove it immediately. Because again, going back to this whole idea, you are shoving a brand in a box that they don't want to be in. Okay. So give them the opportunity to tell you what they want. And you can, and, and here's the thing, you can still have your packages, you can still have your pricing, but it's, it's on your own internal napkin. Right. Okay. And, and so you just, maybe it, maybe what you send one brand is going to be very similar to what you send to another brand and that's fine, but you don't want to want it to seem to the brand that like, Hey, I, this is how I work with every single brand. You are not special in any way that never feels good to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, this is really interesting too. Cause I did, I included this for a long, I, I still do. It's still in my pitch deck. Um, and like different opportunities. Um, but I very rarely actually execute on any of those. Like very rarely has someone been like, yes, I want four episodes, right? Mm-hmm. At the, at the price you've listed on your website. I always say like, since you're a first time sponsor, I'm happy to come up with this custom thing for you, blah, blah, blah. Or since we're, since you're a returning sponsor, um, let's rework what we did a little bit and do this. So like I have the prices, they don't even really serve me that well externally, right? Very Mm. few, very, somebody, someone will be like, what's the least amount of money I need to spend. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, okay. Right. Um, and, and, but most people are just like, yeah, so like, what, what do you got for me? Or like, this sounds okay to me, but it, you're right. I don't know how many people, I don't know how many people I've attracted or de- deterred, right? Well, by having prices on my page. Oh my gosh, Joe. So, so this is another thing we haven't even talked about, which is that there is, you know, 
brands are analyzing your platforms, your website, your presence before they ever reach out to you. So how do you know it's, a, it's an unknowable quantity of, of brands or partners that never reached out to you, right? right? Because they they looked at your website, they looked at your pricing page and they looked at your packages and they're like, I don't know, none of this really kind of fits what we're looking for. So we'll just move on, yeah. right? And so like, that is not a good feeling. That is not a good feeling to have. And so like, it's it, it, in my view, there's so much that you can do to optimize your attractiveness to brands so that if you are attracting tire kickers, this is the other thing is like your media kit should be public everyone's media kit should be public because there's no proprietary or secret information in there. You want to be able to have a brand go on your website and download your media kit because what are they doing? They are taking your headshot, they're taking your bio and they're putting it into their own pitch deck that they're going to to sell through to their boss or to their client if it's an agency. They're saying, hey, you know, we want to work with these WordPress influencers or these podcast influencers or whatever. Uh, We think Joe, here's like 20 people that we think might be good. Uh, We think, you know, Joe of these 20 would be good. And then the brand says, hey, Joe and these five other people look great. Go reach out to them now. So there's all of this soft vetting that happens before they literally ever reach out to you. And so it's your job to like give them as much information as possible to help them make an informed decision and put your best foot forward before they ever reach out to you. This episode is brought to you by Store Builder from Nexus. When it comes to setting up an e-commerce site, you have a choice between easy but limited or a limitless platform that you need to manage yourself. Until now. Store Builder is e-commerce made easy for everybody. It saves you time and delivers a storefront that lets you get to selling. As someone who set up multiple e-commerce sites, I can tell you that Store Builder has been a much easier experience than anything else. Answer a few questions, add your content, and sell. Store Builder was created and is supported by e-commerce experts at Nexus. Get the speed, security, and support you need when you need it. Are you ready to launch your perfect online store? Head over to howibuilt.it slash storebuilder for a special offer. That's howibuilt.it slash storebuilder. So you mentioned like the media kit, bio, headshot, whatever. Um, do you include demographics? I know we talked about kind of like numbers don't matter, but like demographics totally do, right? For like, sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Manscaped Demo- reached out to me and I was like, I'm not really a good fit for you. Like yeah. I, I would love, I, would I mean, you could be money, like, but you could yeah. maybe be like a model like in the, yeah, like, I totally you know, could, right? Like, like doing chest the, hair. Like, yeah, 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 just like, like yeah. a shirtless model, you know, yeah, like exactly. for to, to be featured on their Instagram. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, of course, like, you know, you're, here's the thing. In your media kit, this is this is what I teach. I, I actually have some templates um, that I that I've created around this topic. Is that um, page one of your media kit is not your demographics. That's what everyone does. It's like, right. oh, my bio, my headshot. Here's about you know about my podcast. Right here's my demos. Like the brand, that's not what they care about. What they care about is case studies and testimonials. That is page one. Page one is, and by the way, you are sending different versions of your media kit with the strategic case study page one that will most resonate with that brand that just reached out. So if it's a brand in this particular space or you're not going to send them, you know, if it's a, if it's a fashion brand, you're not going to send them a food case study. 
(laughs) for example, right? right? And so like you're making these very simple tweaks and you're just kind of pulling in and out pages of your media kit and sending it to them so that it's relevant, right? And so it's case studies and testimonials. And then, yeah, you can include your demographics and all that basic information about yourself as as the, it's in the appendix, Right. It's not, it's not page one because, you know, I've seen some media kits that are like 20 pages long and I'm like, are you kidding me? The brand is going to look at like two pages, three pages, maybe. And then it's like a resume. You have 15 seconds to jump off the page. They're not going to like, you know, I know you've spent like, you know, hours making it pixel perfect and stuff, but the reality is, is much crueler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a, that's a, I mean, that's absolutely true. That's a really good point. And so I want to wrap up here. Um, I want to talk about Brand Deal Wizard because as this episode comes out, the doors are opening. Yes. Um, but uh, what if somebody doesn't have a case study, right? What if they don't have a sponsor? Who, yep. What do I do? Create a case study for uh, a, an organic piece of content that you actually thought was went particularly well. So perhaps maybe you, uh, you know, most folks I would say, you know, have some sort of affiliate strategy, right? So maybe it's Amazon Associates or other, your affiliates for other types of partners. And so, you know, perhaps you may have access to some uh, type of statistics around how you have helped other brands achieve results. Maybe it wasn't a direct paid partnership, but hey, you drove, you know, $10,000 worth of this podcast equipment or you, or what camera equipment or whatever it yeah. is in your niche. Um, that is a case study, right? You say, hey, I did these posts and I, you know, over the last 30, 90 days or whatever, I've driven this amount of sales. You can absolutely devise a case study uh, around stuff like that. So, or if you don't, even if you don't have any affiliate stuff, you can say, here is a representative piece of content that drove this many views. It drove this much engagement. I got these amazing comments, right? And this is what I can do for your brand. That is a case study as well. So there, you literally have no excuse not to make case studies for yourself because um, that is the best way to illustrate to a brand that if they were to hire you, they have this kind of warm and fuzzy feeling that it'll go well. Yeah, love that. I love that. Um, and so you've given us a lot, um, but your cohort-based course, first of all, growing in pro- in popularity. So like, congrats on that. Like I've, again, we've been connected for like six months now and I think it's like grown a ton in that time. It has. Yeah. Thank you. Man. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. That's, it's awesome. So um, if people want to learn more and they want to learn from the master, right? I mean, this will probably be in the, I haven't recorded the cold open yet, but I'm going to tell people how like you got like a free vacation for one of your brand deals. Right. And, uh, and, and I got you, paid. It wasn't just free. And you, yeah, let right, me, let and me you just paid. Right? I got paid yeah, really a lot of money. Important. So $20, really $20, important. $20,000 for that. That's a, like an important point here. <laughs> yeah, really important, right? Because you also have, you have a self-paced course out now basically mm-hmm. about that. Um, how uh, don't just get free stuff, right? Get right. paid as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I happen to get both. I did a, a sponsor spot with this uh, FlexiSpot desk. Oh, yes. And uh, yeah, they they wanted to pay me. And I was like, I really need to try the desk. And they're like, all right, we'll send you a standing desk. I'm like, yes, got both. Um, <laughs> so, but uh, so you've obviously illustrated your bona fides here. Um, tell us a little bit about Brand Deal Wizard. Of course, man. Um, okay, so Brand Deal Wizard is a four-week, very intensive course. It's taught live uh, over Zoom. <laughs> uh, and it is, you will be amongst a cohort of a maximum of 50 creators. I'm actually capping it, uh, this cohort. Um, and uh, it is it is just like a absolute masterclass in creating a sustainable sponsorship strategy. Going back to the thing I was mentioning earlier is that a lot of creators don't, just do not believe that sponsorships are sustainable or predictable, right? It's like, it's nice when you can get them, but you know, you just 
it's it's hard to know when what's you know going to be in your inbox in a month or whatever, right? right. Which is one hundred percent false. And so a lot of what I go into is like devising the the systems, the processes. I have this um, framework that I I've developed called the sponsorship wheel. It's an eight step framework of like all of the different steps and processes that you're going to go through when you partner with the brand. And how that carries through, uh, you know, not just past the contract execution phase, but also the execution, like the actual uh, implementation, the fulfillment of the partnership, um, how you can, you know, so week one is all about pitching, right? A lot of what we talked about on this, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on this podcast around like, how do you actually craft a compelling pitch? How do you know who to reach out to, right? Understanding different titles at different, you know, how to use LinkedIn strategically. Uh, week two is all around pricing, right? Everyone wants to know <clears throat> how much do I charge, right? Like how do right. I set my pricing? How much packages, package strategy? Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I am like, I absolutely nerd out over negotiation psychology. This is like one of my favorite things to talk about. And so it's a week devoted to this subject. Um, Week three is all around the execution of the deal. This is something that very few people talk about, but it's like once you've actually signed on the dotted line and it's like go time, right? And you have to actually create the content, do the ad reads, whatever it is. um, This is the point during the partnership where the brand will decide whether they want to hire you again or not. It's not all that other stuff. It's about how do you respond to adversity? Because adversity always happens during partnerships. It's just reality, right? Right. So like, so I talk through all of these different ways in which you can professionalize yourself um, and um, set up systems for yourself so that you are eliminating busy work, not doing revisions that are unnecessary, right? A lot of creators are familiar with this. All oh, feedback from the brand, it's like annoying, right? And so it's like, how do you prevent a lot of that stuff, right? And then the final week is all around uh, nurturing brands. So how do you, once you've done the partnership, how do you actually turn this into a long-term partnership that is recurring revenue for you, where you're continuing to provide, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, valuable uh, content and deliverables to a brand, uh, but you're also continuing to provide yourself some income certainty. Um, and so it really is just a nuts to bolts uh, program. Um, and man, it's been, yeah, like you said, it's been, it's grown beyond my wildest expectations, man. I, we had 58 creators um, wow. last last cohort uh, and my first beta had three. <laughs> so, wow. so things have like, re- this is just in 18 months. So um, it's really, the word of mouth has been spreading really quickly. And, and so, um, yeah, if anyone's interested in, in finding out more about it, I teach it three times a year. My next cohort um, is uh, in the fall um, and it starts uh, mid-October. And so it's just branddealwizard.com. Uh, but don't go there. Click the show notes because you want to click Joe's affiliate link, right? Yes, <laughs> there will be. So there will be a link in the description, right? Which is in your <laughs> podcast player. You can get all the show notes, everything we talked about over at howibuilt.it slash 287. I'm yes. really excited about this, right? Because y- y- people, I'm really excited for you listeners to find out about Justin because um, I talk about sponsorship. I feel like I'm a blue belt, maybe. Like Justin's like a black belt, right? Like he's <laughs> like all the way up there. He's been through it. Um, and so uh, there's there's a lot to learn. Um I definitely need to do the nurture the nurture part better. I have some long-term sponsors. Right? I've had sponsors with me for a long time that have like sponsored for the whole year for this mm. show. Um, but I need to, I, I know for me, I need to be a little bit more communicative, especially for those long-term ones. Like mm. I sign in, in January and then don't check in until September is not a good approach, right? It's like right. checking at the quarter. Be like, hey, how's it going? Maybe we need right. to re- Word the ad yes. read. Let's experiment. What campaigns are you working on now? Right, mm, that's the sort mm, of stuff that, 100%. as a creator, I should be proactive about. 
hundred percent, dude. And, and the fact that you are thinking about this stuff means that you're a student of the process. And like, you are the type of person who is going to succeed in the long run. Because if you're, if you are a creator who's just sitting on your laurels and you're thinking, okay, well, when's the next deal going to come? Like, it's going to be really difficult to turn this into a sustainable business. Right. And so, um, all of this stuff you're saying is, is hundred percent right, man. And if I could just make one more, um, uh, mention, like I would really, really love to to connect with each and every one of you who are listening uh, by joining my free newsletter. Because like Joe mentioned, like I literally send out a newsletter twice a week where I send you paid sponsorship opportunities. It's a free newsletter, yeah. right? And so, so that is like a, and, and mindset stuff too. So I have mindset Mondays, Joe, right? So I'm talking yeah. about a lot of this stuff that we talked about on the podcast around, um, you know, just like confidence. How do you, how do you get the confidence to just hit send? On the email at the very beginning, that pro, right? So um, it's just so, so important. And just thanks for having me, man. This was, uh, you know, such a blast. I'm at Creator Wizard pretty much everywhere on social media. And um, I truly want to see everyone win. So so let me know how I can be a resource to either you, Joe, or uh, you, dear creator who is listening. Yeah, thank you so much. It's my abs- it's my pleasure having you on. Justin's newsletter is one of the only ones I like legitimately read every time it hits my Damn, feed bin. I can't you. say inbox, right? I have like yeah. a feed bin set up, but <laughs> it's in my RSS reader. Uh, very much part of my morning. I go for a walk. I smoke my morning cigar. And then I sit down with my iPad and I read <laughs> a bunch of newsletters. And Justin's is always one of them. I always find at least one sponsor to reach out to uh, from those Wednesday emails. Um, and I will say I've referred enough people to get like the super secret Dude. Super secret ones. Yes. Um, yes. So, yeah. So good. Thank you, I man. can't recommend it enough. Again, everything will be at the show notes, uh, in the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 287. Now, if you want to hear, I already forgot the other thing I was going to write down that I wanted to ask you about, but for sure, we're going to talk about uh, Justin was in a screamo band. Justin and I are about the oh, same age. And so, uh, so this really resonates <laughs> with me. So, we're going to talk about that. And probably a couple of other things in uh, Build Something More. Again, you can become a member for 50 bucks a year over at howibuilt.it slash 287. Justin, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. And thank you so much for listening. Thanks to this week's sponsors. And until next time, get out there and build something. <laughs>